What's up, man? Welcome to the global live stream. If you have a Bible handy, I want you to hold two spots. They're the first two verses in today's study. One is in Mark chapter 8. The other is in Hebrews chapter 10. If you're joining us for the first time, we're in a series, cool series called Love Strong. And the theme and goal of this series, super simple. If you're feeling strong, you're feeling confident, right? And who doesn't like to feel strong and confident? Now, guys, we know this. We put a lot of time and effort into many dimensions of our lives, right? To build strong bodies, strong careers, strong skills, right? But here's what we're saying in this series. If you don't know how to love strong, right, you will not have strong relationships. And what we've been saying is as men, if we're not doing relationships right, we're not doing life right. And we're saying that smart men who love strong or who want to love strong, and do relationships right, discipline themselves toward their most important relationships because at the end of life, that's all that matters. We're not gonna talk about all those other areas where you were strong. Trust me, I do a lot of funerals. I talk about relationships and how well a man did his relationships. So for today's session, let me start with a question and here it is, have you ever taken a risk that really paid off. You weren't sure, you didn't know the outcome. There was a possibility it could go bad, but it ended up going great. And you're so glad in hindsight that you took the risk. Now, let's separate finances from this, all right? How about a relational risk, all right? Where you, you started a conversation, you walked across the room, you sent a text, you asked someone for coffee, and it end up, ended up creating like a friendship that you have now today, or maybe a dating relationship that turned into a marriage and a family and, and kids. And in hindsight, you look back and you're like, whew, I'm super glad that I took that risk because now I've gained a lifetime of friendship or relationship or marriage and family with the person that I didn't previously know but that I know now and have enjoyed for all those years. I look back on my own, uh, my own relationship with my wife, Chrissy, been married uh, for 33 years. We dated for four years, but before all that, I was just walking home from my last final before Christmas break and I bumped into her roommate, Lisa, and we were just doing some small talk and, and then I threw this thing out and I don't even know why I said it. I'm like, yeah, I was thinking about calling Chrissy you know, over the break, you know, her roommate was, was, was Chrissy. I knew her, she was a friend. And, uh, but then Lisa responded to my idea of calling Chris, Chrissy at home over Christmas break like this. She said, that Kenny would be a very good idea. Like, I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed, but I got the message. Lisa, without violating her, her relationship with Chrissy and telling me something directly that Chrissy wouldn't want her to tell her, um, because I mentioned calling her, she indirectly said, you should do that and indirectly let me know, amen, hallelujah, that Chrissy maybe had some feelings for me, all right? She had the, the intelligence because she was her, her roommate, all right? But here's a love strong fact that kind of dovetails from my story and the point I made earlier. All great relationships start off with somebody 
taking a risk. So let's do this today. Let's define what risk is very briefly. Let's get God's mind on taking risks in our relationship with him. How does he want our relationship to work and what, what, what involves risk there? And then let's look at four relational risks with others that we can take from scripture that, that build love and strengthen those connections. And then let's look at, you know, what's the result if we take those risks, all right? So let's define risk. It, it goes this way, very simply, right out of the dictionary. Risk is the possibility that something bad or unpleasant will happen as opposed to what is hoped for happening. So there's, when we take a risk, there's what we hope will happen. And then there's the possibility that what, what we hope will happen doesn't happen. And, and that's what it means when we take a risk. We enter in to that tension, okay? So there's the definition. Now, how does risk work in a relationship with God, all right? And now let's go to the first passage of scripture where I wanted you to hold a spot in Mark chapter eight, verse 35 of Mark chapter eight. And here is Jesus talking about that very same tension, right? He says this, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. So what is Jesus saying? Jesus is acknowledging that in this relationship, there's gonna be a tension, all right? You're gonna to come to an intersection and situations where you can try to save your own life and you retreat, all right, in your relationship with God, or you can move it forward. You notice the language, he says, but whoever loses their life for me. In other words, we make a choice that shows love for him. And we make that choice out of faith. We don't know what the outcome is. All we know is this is gonna show love for God. And sometimes we have to overcome fear. Sometimes we have to overcome previous experiences. Sometimes we have to overcome what we see with our eyes and circumstances to make that decision. But if we lose our life for him, if we take that risk, Jesus says, that will save it. So real followers of Jesus risk for Jesus. They risk faith in Jesus's words. They risk faith in obeying his commands. They risk faith in believing his truths, right? They risk faith in serving and loving others the way he did and the way he wants us to, okay? We take risks in the direction of our most important relationship. So I want to unpack something uh, based on what Jesus said. What did he know? What is he trying to teach us? Write this down. The quality of my relationship with God will never surpass the risks I take for God. All right? What Jesus is saying is that this is how you get close to me. Right? You take risks. In faith, you make choices. And you complete that, that faith in me by taking an action and taking a risk. Right? This idea 
of taking risks in our relationship with God is also expressed in Hebrews chapter 10 because this is how a relationship with God works, right? Listen to what God says in Hebrews 10 verses 38 and 39. He says, but my righteous one will live by faith and I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. So you see, Jesus acknowledged the tension, and then here in the book of Hebrews, Scripture affirms and acknowledges that same tension that in order to have a close relationship with God, all right, in order to bring God pleasure in this relationship, we need to live by faith. What does that involve? It means risking for the relationship versus retreating. And that risking for the relationship communicates to God. I mean, anytime someone takes a risk for another person, that deeply communicates what? Their commitment, okay? So I want us to see at the outset of this study that that's the way relationship with God, God works. What brings God pleasure? When you take risks for him. When not knowing the outcome, right? Because there's what you hope will happen, and then there's the possibility of something else happening. He, he wants you in faith to see past the outcome, the possible outcomes, and trust him and risk in the direction of that relationship, okay? And so you can play, you can play it safe. That doesn't please God, and it doesn't bring us closer to him, right? Or you can risk God's way, right? And now let's kind of build a bridge and write this down. Let's unpack that Hebrews 10 passage. All right, write this down. Risking for relationship assigns meaning to the relationship. That's what God's word says about our relationship with him. Question, are you taking any risks for God in how you do your life, how you live in your relationships, how you give in your generosity, in how you serve, in how you obey his word? Are you taking any risks there? I'll just remind us, guys. God's word says that we, his righteous ones, live by faith. You know, you know what that means? It means we commit without knowing. That's what faith is, all right? And we complete, right? Complete our faith with an action, without knowing, where the possibility is unknown. The outcome is unknown. But we trust God. We trust what he says. We trust in this relationship. We trust his word. We trust his modeling. We trust his direction. We trust the Holy Spirit. And we take a risk. All right? And when we do that, when we risk for our relationship with God, it assigns meaning and reveals our true commitment in the relationship. Okay? So that's the foundation of today's study. Now, let's take a look at how we love strong by risking strong for people. How does what God models for us, what is meant for us, you know? Because this here, this relationship here, is supposed to inform our relationships here, all right? So let's look at four relational risks that show love and strengthen our bonds with the people that we love. All right, the first risk, number one, is you take the risk of knowing or revealing, all right? Um, you take the risk of revealing. Now, wouldn't you agree that 
It's easier when someone else reveals something about themselves to you than you revealing your own stuff. Isn't it easier to hear someone else's, you know, secrets and um, hear their problems and hear their struggles? Isn't it easier to hear other people's struggles than to reveal your own struggles? Well, in Scripture, it talks about how if we act like we don't have any problems or have any struggles and we never reveal them, um, then we're being dishonest with ourselves, with others, and with God. Let's read from 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 through 10. Okay? If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. So when you look at this passage of scripture, all right, uh, in relationships, we like to reveal our best. We don't like to reveal uh, our worst. But at some point, because we are sinful and we fall short and we are imperfect, right? There's things about us and our lives that we do have to reveal. And if we don't, we're not being real in relationships. And But when we reveal what's really going on, how we're really feeling, how things are really going, when we're in truth and reality and we reveal our reality, right? That actually brings us closer to people because it takes humility and it makes us vulnerable. And wherever there is humility and vulnerability, you know what that communicates to another person? Credibility. This person's real, right? They're not perfect all the time. They're not what their Instagram or Facebook account, you know, says they are, you know, it's, they're a real person. And what's beautiful about that in our relationship with God is that, you know, we reveal who we really are and what's really going on. And if we don't reveal, if we claim to have no imperfections, no struggles, that is inconsistent with what God says is true about us and about our lives. It contradicts what God says. That's why it says in the passage, if we claim we have not sinned, fallen short, missed the mark, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. Now, if you want to love strong in any relationship, you have to take the risk of revealing, okay? Look at what it says in James 5, 16. It says this, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So we have this relationship and we need to be honest here and we need to reveal what's really going on in our relationship with God. And sometimes that can be easier, but you know, God adds a second step. He says, we need to reveal here. Therefore, confess your sins to each other. This confession, this revelation of what's going on in us, right? Our confession of sin, that brings spiritual healing, right? But when we're authentic and we're honest and we risk revealing in this way, right? That creates emotional healing and bonding with another person. You ever just had somebody just go, you know what, I've never, never said this to anybody else, but I'm going to tell you. And then they share with you. 
trust me, I have sat at tables for the last 25 years and heard guys say that very same thing. But some guys, they don't say it at the outset of joining a men's group, but they hear other men risking revelation of their true lives, not their image. And then they, they get a sense that it's safe to um, reveal what's really happening. And man, once they do, that's the breakthrough. That's when the power of God enters into that, 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 that fellowship, those relationships. Why? Because it takes humility and faith. It's a risk to share what's really going on in your life because you aren't guaranteed that people will accept that or have compassion versus judgment. But what's so cool about the Bible and the family of God is that our, our new community of brothers and sisters in Christ is supposed to be the place where we can risk revealing. So how do we apply this? All right, um, here's your application. I must risk being authentic or real, parenthetically, real, versus what? Synthetic and fake, right? When you're synthetic and fake, all right, you're like an iceberg. People only see the tip, but the substance of what's really going on in your life and relationships and and, 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 and circumstances and emotions is below the waterline. And it's like, how's it going? It's all good. What's up with you? You know, I'm sorry. It can't be all good all the time, right? Because if it's all good all the time, you don't need a savior and you don't need a relationship with God and you don't need people either because it's all good all the time. But you know, our fears of how people might receive that if we tell them the truth, if we become authentic, if we become real with them, it's the fear of rejection. And God says, sorry, you're gonna have to take that risk. And sometimes the risk doesn't work out. Maybe because we chose the wrong person to reveal what's really going on in our lives. So make sure you pick godly, safe people that you respect, but then go for it. There's some of you watching me today. There's something, there's a secret that, that you have and no one knows about it. And you've been walking and living around with it and you're miserable, okay? Some of you need to call a pastor. Some of you need to call a friend. Someone, you need to pick up the phone and, and dial a buddy who lives across the country. But you need to take the risk of revealing, okay? That's the first risk we take that, that, that allows us now to love strong in a relationship. It strengthens our bonds and it shows love. It shows love because we trust that person. Right? Secondly, you take the risk of growing. Okay, so first, you take the risk of revealing. Second, you take the risk of growing. Now, I think everybody would agree that's watching this or listening to this everywhere around the world would agree that every man is a, quote, work in progress. Amen, hallelujah, I know I am. And that's comforting to me. None of us have arrived, you know? That's why I love reading Philippians chapter three and seeing Paul just say, hey, I haven't already obtained all this, but I'm working toward it, okay? In the Bible, God says you're a work in progress. Look at what it says in Philippians 1.6. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day 
of Christ Jesus. So in between this second and the day of Christ Jesus, we're a work in progress. My work in God started on July 2nd, 1982. Still a work in progress, all right? Until the day, right? When Jesus either comes for me or I go to him, then I'm, then I'm, then I'm perfected and now it's a whole nother chapter and adventure uh, with Christ. But I love that. It's comforting when the Bible says that um, I'm a work in progress. Well, if God says that's what's true about us, then why don't we act like it? Okay, why don't we act like a work in progress? Stop winning the battle of images and losing the battles of life and relationships. You see, because images are shells. Shells of a man cannot sustain the substance of relationships. They cannot sustain relationships. That's why it says, one of the prophets of God talking to the men of Israel says this, says, hey, you're a work in progress, get to work. Listen to what Hosea says to a group of guys. Hosea chapter 10, verse 12, it says this, sow for yourselves righteousness, or sow righteousness for yourselves, reap the fruit of unfailing love and break up your, listen, your unplowed ground, for it is time to seek the Lord, all right? So who's he talking to? A bunch of farmers, they get the whole farming parable, the sowing, the fruit, and then this concept of breaking up unplowed ground, all right? So what's the contrast? Plowed ground is, is already worked and it's already fruitful. Um, and Hosea is saying, you know what? I'm not talking about dirt, I'm talking about your heart, your character, your insides the places of your life that are unworked, right? That are not producing fruit, all right? That are stagnant, that have weeds in it, right? What's the picture of? Growing a crop, right? There's plowed ground, that's growing crops. There's unplowed ground. And Hosea is saying spiritually, right? In, in your life, relationally, break up the unplowed ground. Question. What areas of your life need some work? What areas of your life are not bearing good fruit? What areas of your life are suffering? What areas of your life need God's touch, blessing, and that need he wants to become fruitful? That's where you go to work, all right? It's growing, right? So we learn from God's word that we're works in progress and that we should be working on the unplowed ground of our lives. Now, what's the application for us? I must risk being made new. I must risk being made new, right? That's what the Bible declares for you. Because if any man's in Christ, he's new. The old goes, the new comes, right? So where in your life does the old need to take a hike and God's new, new plan need to be applied? Now, in relationships, we have, to, we have to practice this. This is a relational risk that we take with God and also that we take with people, right? And I want you to see that in every one of these risks relationally, we take it first with God, then we take it with people, right? You got to risk, all right? Working on the relationship, right? You got to risk changing yourself and growing uh, for the relationship to grow. If you have one person growing and the other person not growing and, and working on themselves, 
then that relationship isn't going to grow. But if both people are working on themselves and growing closer to God, and then they're growing closer to each other, and they're, they're, they're working on themselves and getting better, and breaking up their unplowed ground as, as individuals, and then they bring that change to the relationship. It's amazing, all right? So some of you are listening to that, and you're like, I gotta get to work. Think about the areas in your character, and your attitudes, and your behaviors that do not make relationships better. That's your unplowed ground, all right? Number three, after taking the risk of revealing, taking the risk of knowing, you got to take another risk, and that's the risk of supporting, okay? Again, it's so much easier for some of us, okay, if you're like me, to support someone else, to help someone else, to counsel someone else, to ask someone else, hey, what do you need, than to receive support yourself. And just as a general rule, when I've observed guys, they... They're better fixers and givers than they are receivers, right? Now, maybe you're like me. I'm, I'm a survivor. I'm the son of a third-generation alcoholic. I'm the last of seven kids. Uh, my dad was not around. Um, God bless my mom, but she was, she was managing seven kids. There, there wasn't a lot of attention being paid to the guy at the end of the, of, of the train, right? I was like the caboose of the family, number seven. So very independent, um, a fixer, total fixer, fixers unite, right? Here's the problem with survivors who are very independent and used to taking care of themselves and uh, they fix things, you know, they don't ask for help, right? Because they're on their own. Um, we're not very good at receiving support, right? And for a lot of men, especially how we do our male-male relationships where, where we can't act like we need support because that'll be weak, right? It's not what the Bible says. In fact, let's examine what Scripture says here in Romans chapter 12. It says this, For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, listen to this, and each member belongs to all the others. You know, this, this reminds me of what, what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9 when he says, though I'm free from all men, I belong to every man. And what he's saying is that, yeah, I don't care what other men think. I'm a believer in Christ. I'm free from their opinions. I'm free from what they think about me. And guess what that does? That frees me up to serve them and belong to them in spite of their opinions, relationally. Wow. So the Bible says that, you know, rejecting help, you know, that may be manly in culture, but it's not godly in his family, right? In God's family, we have to take the risk of both supporting and being supported, right? In order to love strong, in order to build health, in our relationships, both with God and with people. We receive God's support, right? And we should be able to, and we receive God's grace, and we should be able to receive the support of God's family or another person, and we should be able to support that person. Look at what the Bible says relationships uh, 
amongst Christians are supposed to be rooted in. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12, it says, the eye, just a part of the body, cannot say to the hand, another part of the body, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the hand, oh yeah, I don't need you either. That's not in our lexicon as children of God, as members of God's household. Um, and because we can't say, I don't need you, by implication, what does it say? It says, as members of God's household, we have to say, I need you. And a lot of guys, just because of their pride, right, which is really fear turned inside out, they just don't want to act like they need anything. They're afraid that people will know that they need really need help. Um, God's saying, you got to say to people that you need them. You know, I needed that. I needed that encouragement. Man, I need you in my life, you know. And guys, I know I'm talking to many of you. You haven't said that to anybody, like ever or in years or months. And maybe there's some people close to you who've really helped you. And there's just that wall of pride or fear is just keeping you from saying that. Can I just encourage you in faith, take a risk and say, you know what? I'm so happy I have your support because I need your support. And tell that to your wife tonight. Tell that to a good friend. Tell that to a coworker who, who's, who, who, where it fits. And uh, watch what happens in that relationship. Um, that's loving. And it's going to strengthen that relationship. So how do we apply taking the risk of supporting, right? Well, I must risk depending. I must risk depending. Clearly, the Bible's teaching that we need to depend on each other. That in the family of God, the way we roll is not independently, but interdependently, right? The success of one is linked to the success of the other, right? So we support and we receive support. And then we support and we receive support. It's okay to receive some support, all right? But just broken male culture has this, this idea that, you know, you got to be weak, you got to pull up yourself up by your bootstraps, you know, don't, don't tell people what you really need, keep secrets, just power through. That's stupid in God's family. It's, it, it's manly, but it's not godly. And if you have a band of brothers or you have people in your lives, spouses, wives, friends, you know why God put them in your life? To support you when you need support. And you got to depend on those people, all right? We depend on Jesus. In fact, that's the nature of this relationship. I'm the vine, you're the branch. Apart from me, you, the branch, can do nothing, all right? We are dependent on Christ. And the way God designed the new community of people who love Jesus, the Son, is that we're dependent on each other. Read the book of Acts. Read Acts chapter 2 if you want a little study on this, man. You see, you see unity, community, and generosity of help, right? It's just like they're always asking each other, hey, what do you need? What do you need? What do you need? And I say it all the time in this live stream. That's one question we got to get used to asking. But then there's also um, something that we need to be able to say. I need some help with this. Right? That shows that you are, you are risking in faith, trusting what God says to do, which is depending on him, 
by depending on someone else. And that someone else could be your wife. That someone else could be a friend. That someone else could be a pastor. Um, but you're built, right, by God in relationships to give and receive support. Lastly, you take the risk of sacrificing. And we've talked about this many times in this particular series. Um, I love how when the, the Apostle Paul is building relationship with new Christians in all these different cities, you know, in Colossae and Thessalonica and Ephesus, and he's, he's, he's communicating that, yeah, he's talking to them about Jesus, but he's giving them something else to back up what he's talking about. He's, he's giving them himself. He's saying no to himself and saying yes to them. Look at what he says to the Thessalonians. He says, because we loved you, keyword, right? Gotta love strong. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. He had to juxtapose that, the, those two together. We love you, so we do a couple of things. We, lo we loved you, so we shared the good news of Jesus Christ with you. That shows love. But then after you received the gospel and became followers of Jesus, what did we show you? Well, we showed you love by giving you our very lives. What a statement, right? So the gospel comes in message and in word, but the gospel also comes in sacrificial actions for the sake of others. When Paul gives up his life to serve them, he's saying no to himself. And anytime you say no to yourself to say yes to others, that's called a sacrifice, right? So how do you apply that, all right? Taking the risk of sacrificing. Well, here's how you do it. I must risk caring deeply. You know, if you don't care deeply about something, you won't sacrifice for that thing. I care deeply about my children. I would do anything to help them. I would sacrifice my life for them. But that's because I care deeply about them. Who in your life maybe doesn't feel like you care deeply for them? Sacrifice for them. You don't even have to say anything. Just do something that shows that you're going to say no to yourself and yes to them. And you don't have to broadcast it. You don't have to post it on your social media. You don't have to announce that you're doing it. Just do it. And they will receive that sacrifice as, wow, that person cares deeply. That's why we do communion, fellas. That's why we ponder the sacrifice of Jesus, and it blows our mind that he cared that deeply about you and I. So, by, by way of review, right, we got to take the risk of revealing. We got to take the risk of growing in relationships. If we're going to love strong and, and build the bond, we got to take the risk of supporting, giving and receiving support. We got to take the risk of sacrificing, right, and caring deeply. What's the result of taking those risks? Um, well, look at what the Bible says when you're together with people, when you're, you're deeply connected and rooted in God, rooted in this unity, and um, 
This is how, this is a picture from scripture of what it feels like and looks like, and then what the result is. Psalm 133 says this, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. It's like precious oil upon the head, coming down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, coming down upon the edge of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon coming down upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, life forever. Wow. Pretty simple. God says when you're dwelling together, when you're connected, it's precious. And he, he builds this image of, of, of two, two dudes, and uh, they're, they're consecrating each other in God. And in that ceremony of consecration, oil, the oil of the presence is, is, is poured over one. And the picture is like, you know, two mountains and, and the water and the dew flowing from one mountain to another. And, and it's this picture of intense intimacy, right? When people are dwelling together in unity. And what we talked about today in Love Strong Part 4 is how do I get there? Man. What's it like to risk for relationships, love strong, and build that bond of unity with another person, right? Well, you gotta take the risk of knowing. You gotta, you gotta take the risk of growing, right? In a relationship, you gotta take the risk of supporting and you gotta take the risk of sacrificing. And, and if you do that, that last line of Psalm 133, for there, right? that place of intimacy and relationship, the Lord commanded blessing. If you work on these four relational aspects in your relationships from scripture, you're gonna, God's gonna go, he's gonna command a blessing. And you don't wanna miss that, and that's the big idea. Don't miss God's blessing. That's the big idea. Write that down, okay? Don't miss God's blessing. I want you to be blessed. That's why we're talking about these things, right? I want your relationships strong. I want you loving strong and feeling confident in your relationships. And if you're doing, you're taking these four relational risks, you're loving strong. I know it. Why? Because God says it, not me. So this week, work on your relationships, right? And right now, I just want to, I just want to declare blessing over you as you take steps of faith, take risks to do these things. Just bow your heads with me. Father, the average guy has 200 meaningful connections, starting with spouses and kids, moving to a network of friends, and then to work and community and around the world, um, that there's a strong, pretty strong connection. And I just, I see billions of relationships out there. And I see your desire for the men listening to this podcast to start in their first circle and extend it out to second, third, fourth circles of relationship. You're calling them to love stronger. And uh, to do that, they're going to have to take a risk. They're going to have to commit without knowing what is going to happen. If the risk that they take is, is going to be accepted and relationships are going to go stronger or not. But I pray right now that they would trust your word, 
as we've read it for what it is, that they would take the risk of revealing, that they would take the risk of growing, that they would take the risk of supporting and take the risk of sacrificing and let the chips fall where they may. Because in the end, they're going to stand before you and they want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. They were faithful to you and they did what you asked them to do. But God, I know that you want to bless these actions taken in faith. And so I pray for each man listening to the sound of my voice right now. I pray that you would bring faces to mind right now of people that he can take a risk with today. Maybe it's, maybe it's a text. Maybe it's a conversation. Maybe it's just an action that shows that they care deeply or that they're depending on, on others in their lives. Maybe it's, it's an action where they get real. Maybe it's an, an action where they become somebody new and grow in a relationship. I don't know what you're calling these men into, but God, I, I just declare faith and power and risk in the direction of you and toward people. In Jesus' name we pray, and God's men, God's men said amen. Amen. So let's, let's get together again next week. Tell a friend. We'll be finishing up Love Strong. And if you missed uh, parts one through three, go back. It's, it's up there on the everymanministries.com website, and we'll see you next week.